Welcome to the Freedom Times News Hour. I'm Patricia Aiken. It's great to have your company. Today's show has been pre-recorded, so you won't be able to call. However, I'll be hanging out at the freedomtimes.chattango.com if you'd like to connect over there. Our guest today has let a genie out of the bottle. Google is trying its damnedest to get this genie back in the bottle to no avail. Mr. Matt Roski has single-handedly put electroculture on the map. Gardeners everywhere are having amazing results. Matt's a wealth of information to help right our ships in this inverted world. When we look at all the impossible architecture in this realm, it's obvious that these beautiful buildings were covered in antennas that harnessed energy from the atmosphere. That's the principle. But he's got more than copper in his wheelhouse. His website, CultivateElevate.com, has some powerful supplements such as pearl powder and dragon's blood that folks are also using for astounding results. I'm excited to welcome Mr. Matt Roski, the reigning king of electroculture. Welcome to RBN and the Freedom Time News Hour, Matt. Thank you for having me. And that was a, quite the introduction for what has happened with the electroculture movement. Yeah, it's gone insane. So, Matt, first question has to be. Is your book available yet? So the book is in the works, and the reason it has been in the works for a while is because I wanted to show a lot of before and after photos so that people can see a a great representation of what electroculture is doing. And currently, right now, I've been getting bombarded with electroculture pictures, videos, and all types of footage. So that will be going into the book with a lot more information and some other techniques people can do to elevate their garden. Oh, that's awesome. So let's let's start with uh, electroculture, and then I want to get to pearl powder and the dragon's blood and some of the other things that you do. So, um, you know, how did this how did this happen? I know you have kind of a woo-woo kind of story that it started with, so let's go there. So I got into electroculture in about 2021. I had an, a lady who I talked to in Ireland who gave me an Akashic reading and told me to look into crop circles in 2019. And I told the lady, I said, I'm not sure what the crop circles will tell me or or show me or anything. But she goes, you should look into it. You'll figure it out from there. So I just went online. I started looking at crop circles and I started just trying to figure out what they're trying to show. And I kept looking at them a lot. And I started getting into a lot of things related to pyramid energy and Mary Hardy and pyramid power and all these things related to pyramids. And how the Russians were using pyramids to basically bring plants back to life that were extinct for up to 100 years. Then they also noticed that in certain areas in which these pyramids were placed, their plants would grow a lot faster and they would increase the yields. So I thought, huh, this is interesting. So as I got into that topic, I started getting into the work of Justin Cristo Flo, George Flakovsky, and Victor Schauberger. And these are pretty much the three biggest people I see in the electroculture movement in the 1900s. And they were showing tremendous results. And what basically happened was, as I was reading the book Living Water with Victor Schauberger, and he was an Austrian for, uh, man who lives in, lived in the forest. And he understood that if we go with nature and work with nature, 
that nature will always give back beautiful things, but if we work against it, it will not. And so at the time during the 1940s, Victor Schauberger was very for helping the farmers, helping people increase their growth, increase their yields, and he was really big into copper. He started to notice that when people were using copper tools and copper uh, farming uh, tools in their in their in their gardens and in their farms, their yields would start to increase. Their plants would start to grow faster. They started getting more food. They they didn't need as much water. They didn't need the pesticides. They didn't need the fertilizers and the chemicals that Dupont and Monsanto were trying to push at that time. So he found basically a natural alternative to all of that. And so what he did was he presented this all to the Bulgarian government at that time, and they basically shot down his idea because they were getting a kickback from the fertilizer companies at this time because he proposed, we will give you all copper tools, and you can use copper tools, and they'll increase your yields. And what they did was they put out a broadcast, and this was mind-blowing. They put out a broadcast that said, if you use copper tools in your soil, you'll yield too much food and not make enough money. Oh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yep, common sense right there. So, you know, I, I saw that in the book, and I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, when I read that part, I thought, well, I, I'm going to have to, i got to try this. You know, because this is, if this works as well as Victor Schauberger was proposing at that time, this has got to be remarkable. So then I decided I'm going to like I'm going to I'm going to make my own little copper antennas because I was re- researching all these different types of antennas and copper tools and I didn't have a copper shovel or anything so I thought well I'll just get some copper wrap it around some wood and make it into a little antenna and I'll place it in my moringa pot and this is on the balcony third floor Scottsdale Road you know in front of all the the cars and the the, the lights and all the other things too as well and not connected to the earth in a, in a planter pot, and I put this antenna into my Moringa plant, and the average Moringa pod is about six inches. That's the average. Mine grew 14 to 22 inches, and I was completely blown away because I thought, oh my gosh, food could be two to three times the size, or we could yield maybe two or three times the amount. And what's interesting is right now I have another Moringa pod growing, which is about 20-something inches as we speak, and it's thick as can be. So basically, when I got into all of this, I started making a couple videos talking about it, and pretty much people started trying it and putting some just simple pieces of wood with copper wrapped around it and put it in their gardens, and everybody's gardens now are just going absolutely crazy because what's happening is is when we're taking these antennas, like you said, we're gathering the atmospheric energy that's all around us, and copper is a great conductor. It helps increase electrical conductivity. And it also, when it reflects from the sun, gives the same color spectrum as the sun to the plants. So if you think about how much you're elevating your garden, you're doing it on a color spectrum side, and you're also doing it on electrical conductivity side. And what I've started to notice was, with this whole entire electroculture movement, is a lot of plants are coming back to life. Because when a person wraps, for example, a tree, which has pretty much been in a hibernating or dead state, with copper... It'll start sprouting leaves, even though it's been gone for years. And I started to notice that we're just missing electrical conductivity. And all the stuff we're sold in the gardening realm, a lot of it has a lot of iron in it, which blocks things up. It diminishes the magnetism. It makes things harder to work with. It makes the soil very clumpy and then basically leads to uh, the water not being absorbed to it. And then we are being also sold all these other chemicals, which are blocking up the root system. And then the plants kind of just fall apart. And so with electroculture, this whole thing was basically just from 
reading a couple books, doing Akashic reading, getting into crop circles, and then now we're here in 2023 and people are having some of the largest gardens I've ever seen. And it's just remarkable, the, the power of, of harnessing the energy. Well, that's so awesome, Matt. You know, I'm, I've got some antennas that I brought for the garden club here in Eureka, Nevada. And uh, I put them in, and a week later, I noticed that the plants that we had to trail outside the planters and make them pretty, they were like three times longer than the ones that didn't have the antennas in them. But I don't have, you know, 100%, you know, wow factor here. What I did is I took some posts. I I have a, a huge garden, but it's, I don't have, I have a huge space. I can't call it all a garden. But I um, have some aspen trees, and there was some, ones that little saplings like that had died, but they were like 12, 15 feet high. So I wrapped those. I took them out of the, out of that area and moved them into my garden. So um, that's when, but I haven't got the best soil. I've got very poor soil. I've, and so the electroculture hasn't been a hit for me until I took your advice and got some basalt. And I had some basalt and some sand to, to an area and planted cucumbers and they germinated so much faster, and they're catching up with ones. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I can't touch anything in the garden now that I don't think, oh, man, I shouldn't be using that. That's not copper. I mean, it's just amazing the shift in my mental state on this. Well, and like you said, you know, we've done the same thing for a very long time. And we're, we're like you said, with even with the soil situation, you know, a lot of the recommendations are usually chemicals. They always are like chemical, chemical, chemical. And if we think about it, a lot of these are like anti-life products. So if we play, spray anti-life products all over our soil, how are we going to have healthy soil or healthy plants? And then, like you said, too, when you go to the hardware store, everything is pretty much steel. Everything is pretty much iron. You know, there's all of the steel and iron, and that's all they're pretty much using. There's not a lot of copper. But if we go back in time, 1900s to the 1940s, they used to use a lot of brass. They used to use a lot of copper. They did all different types of things, even the old school copper watering can. The watering cans used to be made out of copper because they understood that it can help increase the electrical conductivity of the water. And a lot of the old copper watering cans, they had like a curly spout. So as the water would flow through that spout, it would vortex itself and structure itself. So it would be very healthy for the plants. And taking it a step further, when you mentioned the the basalt, the basalt is volcanic ash. It's basically been cooked up through the volcano, you know, put up into the air and comes back down. And it's loaded with quartz. And as you place that basalt all over your soil and the earth starts to compress that and, you know, everything starts to kind of come down, that quartz is squeezing and it's creating a piezoelectric effect, which is amplifying that energy. And when you put that all over, like you just said, your plants will go crazy with that. And that's just to help heal the soil because the soil itself is just needing basically an electrical charge. That's what's missing. You know, the earth is always pumping out frequencies and electrical charges all the time. That's why barefoot grounding is so healing. But, you know, with this whole situation, what we're doing is with the combination of the antennas, the basalt, even bird sounds, you know, all these different things, you can elevate your garden instantaneously overnight. Yeah, it's amazing. And and tell me, have you noticed that the copper antennas actually put carbon into the soil? So I haven't, I, I haven't noticed that. What I've noticed is is that it's a lot easier for people to it's a lot easier for people to water their garden. 
the, the water remains. It doesn't go away in the same sense. Like the soil itself actually absorbs the water instead of the water just sitting on top. Right. The soil is using it. The yes. Soil the, the soil water. is acting like, you know, a, a ray of antennas or, or like a, a, a network that's moving everything throughout. So the soil becomes like that. I've noticed other things like more pollinators. I've noticed more bees. I mean, even here, I had praying mantises. I've had bats. I've had grasshoppers that are probably about six six inches. I mean, I, I've seen almost everything. That's the other part I've noticed from these antennas is things coming around that I never would see ever, kind of ever. And I had a friend who was in Australia, and this was a very interesting thing. He lives in Australia, and he goes, I started seeing blue bumblebees. And he's like, I don't know where they're coming from, but I got all these blue bumblebees coming around. And he's like, I didn't even know a blue bumblebee existed until I put the antenna on the ground and it's these things started coming. So what I think is happening as a whole is the soil is being the energy of the soil is being increased, which results in more yields and then more healthier plants and then less pests, less you know things to clean it up, because a lot of these things are also coming to clean things up. So I think just the, the the structure of the soil is a lot healthier when using electroculture. And a lot of people have also reported that they have a lot more worms, and in a good way. You know, the beneficial oh, worms. Are yeah, worms are great. So a lot of things that a lot of people, I feel, are missing start coming back just from utilizing electroculture. That's awesome. Uh, now I'll send you some pictures <laughs> of the planter boxes on Main Street and see how, see how they... They're coming along. So, um, you know, people can go to cultivateelevate.com, and there's an electroculture section. But let's just give them a rundown of how tall the antenna has to be, because I've seen people do them without wood, with wood. Let's just give them the basic rundown for the basic antenna. So the most simplest way is you could go to your local hardware store, and they have spools of copper. And make sure you go to the spool because those are all 99.9% copper. A lot of the stuff online, you might not know if it's copper. It might start changing color and all kinds of things. But you'll get yourself just a little bit of copper. You can maybe get yourself a couple feet if you want. And then what you'll do is you can find wood that's in your backyard because the wood is synced up to you. Any of your plants are all synced up to you, so it'll have the same energy as you. And then you can just take that copper and wrap that copper around the wood and create an atmospheric antenna. And you're just making coils. Think of like an induction induction coil. So you're just creating coils around that wood. One part of that coil is going to go up towards the air. And then the other part of that coil is going to go down into the earth. And you're going to take that antenna and just place that into your garden, wherever it may be. Now, you can do different heights. You know, some people have made one-foot antennas. Some people have used chopsticks. Some people have used three-foot antennas. The taller you go, the more you'll tap into the atmospheric energy. But a simple one-foot or two-foot antenna works really well. You can use these also indoors. You can use them outdoors. You can use them in your basement. You can use them on planter pots, just about anything, because the energy is everywhere. But it's just very simple. And just so other people know, too, let's say you can't find wood for some reason. You know, there are wood dowels at the hardware store that they have that you can also, you know, purchase. And then I also have seen people where they've just taken copper, made it into a coil, and they placed that into their garden, and that has worked very well, too. So it's just simply bringing this copper coil into your garden that's just pretty much elevating your garden. And it's very easy to do and shouldn't take you more than a couple minutes. You can just, you know, to make this. 
this has been the cheapest, um, quickest, um, and, and per- most permanent thing I've ever done in gardening. Quick, easy. I couldn't get over it. I mean, I'm like, well, this isn't hard. I used eight millimeter copper. And incidentally, I ordered it from uh, somewhere and I ordered it for one price. And then when I went to reorder it, it had gone up 80 percent. Wow. wow. Yeah. So I think that's a little price gouging there. But then they I went to some other sites and like Home Depot was still the regular price. So so that was cool. But man, I couldn't get over how and I used eight millimeter. I thought 10 might have been a little quicker to work with. It, it wasn't a big deal. I'm, I'm not like real tool savvy or anything like that. Quick and easy. But and let's talk about the direction to wa- wrap the, the copper in. So with the direction, you know, I always say on our blog, just to keep it really simple, in the northern hemisphere, you would wrap the, the antenna clockwise. And then in the southern hemisphere, you would wrap it counterclockwise. Now, you can do that looking down at the antenna, or you can, you know, hold the antenna and wrap it up, whichever way you may feel. And I say this because, unfortunately, this question can lead to a lot of confusion, and I feel like just going with your natural instinct is the best way in this one. So making the coils, like I said, you can do north, you can do counter, you can do clockwise with the northern hemisphere, counterclockwise with the southern hemisphere. And the reason I always say that is it's because the way the water flows, you know, in your sinks and your drain. And that's kind of the magnetic pull that I see that's occurring. So you're just kind of following that. But if you have any piece of wood, just you just start wrapping it, just simply going up. And then you can just make your nice little antenna. And then you can place those into the garden and those will work very well. Cool. Let's talk about starting seeds because you talked about people using just toothpicks wrapped in copper. Yes. So when people are sprouting and they're trying to start their seeds and they're they're doing everything, the first thing that they should do if we're going to take it to the highest level, one is put the seed in their mouth so that the seed sinks up to them. And then they'll take that seed and then place it into their little planter pot. And then what they can do is that they can take, for example, a toothpick, wrap it with copper and place that next to that planted seed. And then that little planting spot will be elevated with energy. And I had a friend do this and he showed all of his planted seeds with the electroculture versus the ones without and the ones that were all planted and sprouting sprouting, were about three times the size as the ones that were in the control, which were had no antennas. So the thing is, is what I've started to notice is, is there's certain things that also play a role, such as the full moon. The full moon helps pull things up and bring it all up, too, as well. So you can all, also use that. But when it comes to this, the whole reason that maybe seeds are not, are not sprouting is because that the energy is missing. And that's just kind of what we're bringing back. So you can just use, like I said, a little toothpick wrapped in copper, place that next to your little seed that you're trying to sprout, and it will just go crazy. The other option people can also do is they can build a copper pyramid. If you want to take it to another level, you could build a copper pyramid and put that on top of your sprouting seeds. And that you'll notice all of those will also germinate and begin to sprout. So that's another option for people, too. Wow, pretty cool stuff. So... um Okay, so we've talked seeds, we've talked garden. It's late in the season. Everybody's got their garden in, uh, but they can still add antennas to it now. And then we've talked about what's going to happen in the spring. So let's go back and talk about Victor Schauberger again and how he came to the United States. So Victor Schauberger, so when he was doing all of his work, he came to the United States after World War II. He was actually basically brought in 
And they basically wanted to learn about all of the work that Victor Schauberger was doing because Victor Schauberger created a, basically the first flying saucer or the first flying craft. He understood that if you basically spin something, you can, use for, you can create free energy. Similar to those gyroscopes and those like toys we used to play with as a kid where you would pull them with a rope. But he understood that when, you do, when you're spinning things, you can, you can structure things, you can create energy with things, you can do so much with just spinning even just spinning water as well. And he noticed that, for example, our cars, which are only 13% efficient, he said. So if you think about our gas mileage, this is 1940s, 13% efficient. So, you know, it's, he basically said it was horrible. But when he came over here, he was actually, they, they shipped him in to Texas, and he showed all of his designs that he was working on because he created so many different designs during World War II. And they basically told him, why are you here? And he said, what do you mean, why am I here? And he's like, you invited me. You shipped, you know, like, you flew me out here on the airplane. And I thought we were going to be creating all of these devices and going through all the stuff and all the technology in which I used. And so this Texas company actually bought up his patents. And when he came out there, they were like, well, we really have no use for you because we have all of your patents now and whatever else. And so then he ended up being flown back because he was completely confused why he's you know moving back and forth and why all of his work is unnoticed and i think a couple days later after he flew back he passed away so you know i'll, when I'll I got draw into, my own i'll draw my own conclusion about that yes Not yes that's I mean, that's the easiest way to say it because you know that, that this has happened a lot with even the 1976 water car you know right. and other people who have created a lot of different things but he was on to a lot of things. He did a lot of stuff with water, too. He understood, you know, if you if you spiral water, you can bring back the structure because everything flows. You know, when you look at a river, everything flows on curves. It doesn't move in straight lines. So, like, all these canals and dams and everything that we do don't make any sense. They lead to algae buildup. They lead to all these issues because the water does not move in a straight line. So, you know, he was very in tune with things. And personally, I think, obviously... You know, as you said, you can make your own, uh, you know, assumptions about it. But it's just, yeah, when you get into his work, you can understand how it could be a threat, in my opinion, to a lot of the stuff in which we are facing now, which is a lot of stuff which could be resolved overnight. Well, you know, regenerative agriculture, people are making money, but everybody else in ranching and farming, um, the, everybody's making money in agriculture except the rancher and farmer. People that are doing regenerative ag are doing much better, but um, it, it, they just want to keep it that way because they're selling them inputs and machinery and everything. So they don't want that. You know, how could a farm uh, incorporate electroculture? So there's a couple different ways. You can One, you can make a larger antenna, and then you could run copper from that antenna across the farm over a longer uh, area, a larger space. You know, so you can do it out in straight lines or you can do it in sacred geometry from that antenna. The other option, because sometimes that's not feasible, because let's say they have, I don't know, let's say 30 or 100 or 50 acres, whatever it may be. The other option is if they have a plow or a tractor, they can get some copper piping and drag that from the back of the tractor or the plow as they're going across the land. And at least that copper will help balance things out with the electrical charge. Well, that's a great idea. That's a fabulous idea. Yeah, because, you know, when you think about it, you have so much iron and steel kind of just going through, but at least you can have the copper balance things out and then help assist that soil. And that's why 
a lot of farmers will have trouble with their soil because it's getting all clumpy. It's getting all locked up. You know, they, if you spray water on it, it just sits on top of mm-hmm. it because it's losing that energetic principle. And once you just introduce a little bit of copper, it doesn't have to be much. Things start changing and things start coming back to life like how they should be. Well, when I first heard you on a video, I went and I got a jar of pennies that I have and I sorted through them and I got all the real ones and I put all the copper pennies out in my garden. And yet, and, and copper pennies, you know, if you do that, you want pre-1982, because right. like you said, you want the real ones. And that's a very beneficial thing. And think of like when people are at a wedding and they have the bouquet, they always put a little penny in the bouquet so that the the flowers look very nice and beautiful for the next day. So, you know, the, the copper thing goes hand in hand with this. But yeah, pennies are another simple solution. And if we think about 2020, when they were trying to get rid of all the pennies and all the cash and all the other things, well, you can kind of see why that that actual material would be very beneficial. But that's another way. A friend sent me a message that they said that their grandmother used to just throw pennies all the time in their in their in their uh, in their garden. So, you know, there's so many ways in which you can incorporate copper. And it's so simple. And like you said, does not cost more than pennies, if you think about it, to just increase yields and help support your plants. Right. I'm, I'm wearing a copper bracelet that uh, I ordered since being reminded of all this. And you're wearing co- copper. What do you think it does for your body? So copper has been shown to be be- very beneficial. And this was into the work of George Lakofsky, the, the, the fellow who I mentioned in the beginning of this. He noticed that when people would wear copper, it would help reduce inflammation. It, it would help reduce pain. And actually, in, in the South, they would actually take copper and weld it to the wrist so that they could get rid of inflammation or arthritis completely. And that was something that they did all the time. So what he noticed was he had all these studies and trials, tens of thousands of people wearing copper, and noticed that, for example, if a person had brain fog, they would wear a copper necklace and the brain fog would go away. If they had inflammation or maybe like tennis elbow, they would wear copper around the elbow and that inflammation would go away. Let's say they had digestion issues and their stomach is not going and you know, working properly, they could wear a copper belt and it would help get the digestion going and get rid of the inflammation, you know, and then when it comes to grounding, which if you want to ground your body instantaneously to take the static off, you know, if stepping on copper or any type of copper that's placed into the earth can help balance out the cells as well. So there's so much in this. And like you said, you know, people used to wear just copper bracelets. People used to drink out of copper cups. People used to use a lot of copper all the time, but it was only until a lot of changes happened post-World War II with the reset of World War II where everything became either DuPont plastic or steel and iron. Right, exactly. So there's someone online, I don't know if you've you've met him yet. His name is Kelly Edom. He's a man, he's 73, and he uses um, George's Lakovsky's little, you know, multi-wave oscillators. And what he's done, because Lakovsky said in his book that if they were moving, they would be more effective. So what he's done is he's created fans where he's um, where he's put them on the fan, all around the fan, all the little you know multi-wave oscillators. And he says it, it kicks up your electroculture in your garden, even running a fan like that in the house. And the proof is in the pudding with him because he's 73 years old and his hands and skin look like that of a young man. just from from creating those frequencies in his house pretty pretty interesting stuff and uh and so i I just ordered a bunch um on etsy 
to get a whole lot more of these little multi-wave oscillators because, hey, at my age, anything I can do to look a little younger works for me. So it's It all cool. helps. And, okay. and, also, and I was going to say with that one, just on a, a quick one, the multi-wave oscillator was George Lukowski's invention, and it was healing people with frequencies. And he put two, he put people in front of two, basically, uh, it was like 12 circles of 12 right. different metals and materials, and he would heal people within 15 minutes. So there's so much with frequency and shapes and colors and metals and materials and how we can heal. And when you get into his work, it's remarkable. And I saw the picture of the woman that had a cancer on her face. And, uh, and she sat between the two, you know, multi-wave oscillators. And it was only like 10 minutes for, you know, a couple of couple of days. And it was completely gone. And her skin was completely rejuvenated. Yep. I mean, absolutely, absolutely amazing stuff. So what about Organite? So Organite goes into this. That's with Wilhelm Reich. And it's exactly what you just were mentioning is he created the Orgone box, which he was healing people with that, was, which was basically the combination of wool and steel wool put together into layers, and then you would sit in this box and you would start to regenerate. So Wilhelm Reich was big on this. And then when you get into Organite, you're getting into things like cloud busters and things to balance out all the atmosphere and everything that's in our home. You know, Organite can be very beneficial for healing because you're basically mixing a magnetic and non-magnetic material together at the same time, placing that into your home. And that's it. All of these things work as harmonizers. Because a lot of the frequencies and a lot of the stuff that we're bombarded with, the Wi-Fi and this 4G, 5G and all these frequencies, those things can mess with our bodies and then also mess with our plants. So, you know, that is another great one. And I actually posted up a video on a lady who was making cloud busters and she was cleaning up all the stuff that was up in the air that they're trying to spray. So they all she did was she took a bunch of copper pipes and she put them together and made a cloud buster and then she would spray it with water. And it actually cleared up everything above all the chemtrails and all the other nonsense. So there is so much with this. And Wilhelm Reich was big on this. And they put him in jail. They deemed him as a crazy. You know, it's the same story. They, same they do story this, over and over. Same stories repeated, you know, over and over again. But if anybody wants to look into the work, they should look into Wilhelm Reich and all of his work. And then also Trevor James Constable. He has a lot on this topic as well. And he is a lot harder to find his information. But these are two things that are very interesting, and it goes into the ether and the energy that's all around us, the chi, the prana, the life force. That's basically what we're harmonizing and what we're balancing with these different types of tools. Awesome, because uh, I know we're all being bombarded with frequencies that aren't healthy for us. So to be able to counteract that is an important thing to be able to do. So, Matt, you said um, you're having a problem Oh, you don't, you order books and then you don't get the books. What's, what's going on with that? So that's, uh, that's, that was happening quite a lot when I was looking into certain topics related to Wilhelm Reich, actually, and a couple other people. Um, when I would go to order the books, yeah, they just wouldn't show up or they would be shipped to like 20 different states and then end up at my house. So I think a lot of things related to certain topics get a little kind of, you know, I guess controversial. And then those books want to get delivered. Or what was interesting was this one book I was trying to find. I think it was on it was on waves and understanding waves and how like waves function and all these different things. That book, every time I would buy it online, it would I would message the person or the people who were trying to sell it, and they would say, "Oh, I'm going to ship it. It got lost," and and always like a delay. 
And I finally had to order it from like it took four different websites to find that book because the other two or three websites, I feel like they were just giving me the runaround and just, you know, whatever. But I finally got that book. But it was just interesting because when I got into that book, I was like, okay, now I understand why this book is not put out there or even sold sometimes and why they play these games because a lot of these things counter a lot of the narratives in which we've been told about scarcity and all these other things. So that's kind of what the whole book story is. But yeah, that used to happen a lot. Now it doesn't happen so much anymore, but maybe because I've just kind of gone into different topics and learning different things. Cool. Very cool. So um, all of a sudden, like I said, everything I touch, I put on a shirt. I go, oh man, I wish I had some linen. I get into my sheets and I love my cotton sheets, but I use synthetic blankets. So talk to me about linen and restless leg and all that kind of stuff. So this is a great one because a lot of people have restless leg syndrome and they have restless leg syndrome due to the static buildup on their body. So the sheets can actually cause a static buildup. If you're using things like polyester or polyurethane or anything that's a plastic sheet and you're sleeping in that for eight hours, what happens is, is as your legs rub together, they gather up a static charge and that results in restless leg syndrome. But kind of like you're swimming, you kind of almost feel like you're swimming in the sheets. And what's interesting is, is when you have linen sheets, which you can find linen sheets at, you know, things like Home Goods, West Elm, uh, thrift stores, all different types of places you could find beautiful linen sheets. But linen sheets cannot gather a static charge. So when you're sleeping, they won't gather that same static, which is resulting in restless leg, leg syndrome. The other interesting thing about linen is it emits a lot of healing light. This is why when you go into the scriptures and the old books and all the different things, they would talk about how everybody of the royal family would wear linen because it was very healing because of the light frequency that came off of it. So well, the high, a, priest, high priests always wore linen, linen ephods and absolutely yeah. linen. And that's exactly, yeah, when you look at their attire, they have linen on. And that's because of it does not gather electrostatics, which also, if you want to go into the anti-aging properties, that would be part of that, too. And it's a very cooling frequency, too. We, we get too hot all the time. Like you said, sometimes with cotton, it can be very warming. You know, when it gets into summertime, it's very hot. You get kind of restless because it's, let's say, you know, it's too warm. So linen can actually be very cooling, which is very healing for the body. Because if we're too hot at night, we can't really sleep. That's why everybody usually, you know, puts on the air conditioning or opens a window. So linen can be very beneficial for sleeping. And then also, too, for just keeping, you know, the cells very healthy. Back in the 1900s, 1910s, they used to have linen in the hospital beds so that people would heal faster and get out quicker because they noticed that if a person came in, the, in, in and they had, for example, a wound and they slept in a linen bed, the wound would heal within 24 to 48 hours very, very quickly. So people were in and out. But then over time, you know, now there's more polyester and all these DuPont plastics and, and synthetic materials, and then that keeps people in for longer. And those linens have been pretty much removed out there. But when you get into the properties of this beautiful material and how challenging it is to grow and how challenging it is to farm and to like really work with and the process that it goes through and the care that is needed, it's a remarkable material that I think everybody should definitely look into. Linen comes from flax, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And it, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of flax and it takes a lot of work to work with it, you know, to just get it going and then put it through and the fibers and there's there's some people who still do it 
but it's it's a it's a it's quite a you know a, a process to get linen into the shape that it's in and everything else. Well, you know, I always, I used to have a lot of linen in my in my wardrobe, but three moves is the equivalent of a house fire, so uh, I've jettisoned some of those to other people. But that's one of the best places I've ever found to, to find linen was in the thrift store because people got tired of ironing it. Yes, that's and that's the thing. There's so many gems, you know, in the thrift store because also two people also just get rid of it because they're just like, ah, oh, I don't even know what to have this for. And then they don't realize that they just got rid of linen or maybe they got rid of wool or cashmere, you know, all these beautiful materials which are very healing for the body. So cashmere, linen, and what else did you mention? And wool. Those wool. would be... The, the three most healing, you can't really find a lot of hemp. You know, that's the other issue with that. Organic cotton is another great one, too. But those would be the three best. Now, with when you are wearing any type of linen, you should make sure it's not stitched together with wool because one frequency can actually cancel out the other frequency. But it's also very rare to ever see those put together. But linen, cashmere, and wool uh, would be the top. And then organic cotton following with the, with that one. Wow, cool. So, um, and I mean that, that it's cooling to wear, to wear, to wear that. So listen, let's talk about, um, about shoes. You know, like I'm a, I'm a victim of all the, you know, the running shoes and things like that. You were into bodybuilding for a long time. And so, you know, all the polyester and the rubber shoes, but, um, what I'm thinking of doing is I'm thinking of taking some wire and uh, putting it through the shoes and wrapping it around the toe area, the ball of my foot, and also the heel, because I have, you know, sandburrs and things out here that I can't go barefoot. That would connect me, wouldn't it? Yes, that would actually be a great idea. And there's a lot of DIY YouTube tutorials of how to do that. And it's very simple to do. But the biggest face, biggest problem we face with our shoes is that we're not connected to the earth. You have a lot of plastic and you have a lot of rubber. And both of those are blocking the electrical conductivity from flowing through our feet. So when we talk about that static charge buildup, like we were talking about with our legs, it's the exact same thing with our feet. Because think of like a a bunch of kids running across a basketball court. All you hear is a squeaky sound because that's that the, the rubber hitting against the plastic wood and all of those things that they're going against. And they're building up all that static charge. And this is why a lot of people have knee issues and a lot of issues with their knees because they're building up all the static charge on their legs and then on that knee. And then that's usually when they, for example, you know, tear something in their knee. But what you just said is a very simple solution. You know, you can you can do the do it very easily. And the other option too is you can look into leather shoes. You know, hundred percent leather shoes or leather sandals, just so that you can have some you know hundred percent leather sandals on your feet. Everything used to be leather. Everything used to be hemp. You know, until Dupont came in and kind of just tried to eliminate a lot of those things. And so with that, what happens is the the electricity can flow through the body. And the other example that a person can move into is doing barefoot grounding, which is another option where you can go out, for example, into the desert and just put your feet into the sand for about, you know, 10, 15 minutes. You can start slow if you wish. But what you're doing is you're just letting all the, the electricity flow through your body into the earth and back up and down. And that can do remarkable things for brain fog, for digestion issues, for inflammation, for pain. There's so much when you get into this topic of just grounding that people can look into. There's documentaries. But our shoes are definitely the opposite of what they once used to be. And the whole thing of 
this podcast and what we're talking about is a lot of the stuff used to be a very certain way, and it's just been flipped over time. So we just have to go back to how we used to do things because that was the most natural for ourselves, our gardens, and our home. Exactly. So let's talk about some of the supplements that you have at Cultivate Elevate. They're not something that you usually... I have... I've been in the supplement business. I've been around the supplement business. I've made my own formulations. I've done all that. I've never seen pearl powder. So pearls is a very interesting one. And there's a lot of stories with pearls. But when I got into pearl powder, I thought this is remarkable. You know, this is all exactly what is being shown. And so what it is, is it's actually ground up pearls. And pearls have a 2% amount of water in them, of structured water. So they're very hydrating for the skin, very hydrating for the eyes, for the nails, for the bones, for all of our different parts of our body, all the pathways. And what's interesting about pearls is everything is in a carbonated form. So when you asked about carbon with the copper, the pearls actually come in a carbonated form. So the magnesium is very easy to absorb. So if a person is having restless nights or restless leg syndrome, pearl powder can work real well for that. There's also calcium carbonate which is very easy for the body to absorb because it's in a food form, not the synthetic forms in which are usually uh, sold. And then there's also selenium, which is great for the hair, skin, and nails. And what really blew my mind when I got into pearls was I was reading about a study where a, a professional was taking pearl powder and a little bit of an oil, placing it around the eyes, and then also having their patients consume it. And they had 100 patients doing this. They all had cataracts. And 60 to 70% of them all resolved their cataracts within 30 to 40, I think it was 30 to 45 days or 30 to 60 days. Okay, and so what, what do you mean they were putting it around their eyes? So they were just placing it with like, for example, coconut oil and pearl around the eyelids so okay. that it would help feed the eyes. And then they were just taking the pearl powder internally with a coffee, tea, or smoothie. And they were taking both of doing this daily for about 60 days and 60 to 70% of them all completely reversed their cataracts. And now we've had a lot of reviews where people will go on our page and write a review of people having eyesight improving. They're not wearing their glasses as much. Their eyes feel better. They don't feel as like dried out. Uh, I even had a couple people say their cataract has been now almost uh, 40% reversed in one eye versus the other eye. So pearls are basically what I've realized is just the magical pearl of the ocean, if you think about it, feeding the eye. And it's just giving the nutrients to the eye so that the eye can regenerate because one of our last things that get nutrients are our eyeballs when you think about it because, you know, they're, they're not getting a lot or our hair, skin, and nails. So pearl works really well for that. And back in the day with the Mayan culture, they actually used to use pearls as a replacement to teeth. So that's where the whole pearly whites came from was they would actually put pearls in people's mouth to replace a tooth. And because it's a natural thing, there would be no problems when those pearls are placed into the mouth versus all these synthetic things, which cause a lot of issues. Well, that's how you you tell if a pearl is real. You just rub it against your tooth and it'll have a little grit to it. The synthetic pearls will be very slick and, and that's how you know. So, um, So let's talk about teeth because teeth are calcium carbonate as well. So if people having you know, help with their teeth using pearl powder? Yes. So what people are doing now with the pearl powder is they're taking coconut oil, mixing it together with pearl, with pearl powder, and then a little pinch of a peppermint oil and turning it into toothpaste. 
because a lot of our toothpastes have a lot of fluoride in there, which works as a neurotoxin. It's very toxic to the body. And fluoride actually leads to fluoridosis, which leads to brittle bones. So a lot of people, as they get older, they start to develop fluoridosis from all the fluoride in the water, and they start to develop all types of brittle bones. And they, you know, if they fall, they might hurt themselves or break something or whatever it may be because of all that fluoride buildup. So you can actually use pearl powder and coconut oil and peppermint oil all together and make your own toothpaste so that you don't have to place that into the mouth. And now when, when it comes to all these beautiful minerals, you're feeding the teeth because a lot of the times also people are having teeth issues is they're not getting enough nutrients into the teeth to help them repair and stay strong, similar to their bones. And then their bones become uh, you know weaker over time. So pearl powder can work wonderfully for strengthening the teeth, also help, you know, keeping the teeth nice and healthy and just keeping everything flowing like it's supposed to because it's feeding the pathways to basically conduct the beautiful energy that the teeth are supposed to do. So that's a product that's just taken off on your website, hasn't it? It's pretty much gone crazy. Yes, that's the best way to describe it. Like I'll be, you know, obviously blunt with you. Yes, it's it's gone it's gone crazy and we actually started doing a larger size of a 200 gram bag because of how much pearl has pretty much just gone crazy and it's just it's it's helping people sleep it's helping with their eyes helping with their hair i've had a lot of people where they go to the hairdresser and the hairdresser tells them their hair's longer and thicker what are you doing so there's a lot of things that are happening and personally like i said it's just these nutrients which we've lost over time because of either our chemical farming or just our lifestyle as a whole so the pearl can help be a great replacement for a lot of minerals that are missing in the body. Yeah, monoculture has just stripped the soil of all the nutrients. I mean, it's it's crazy. We have a dust storm here here in the valley. It's white. But during the Great Depression, you know, during the, the dirty 30s, I mean, it was black because there was so much carbon still in the soil. So it's time oh to put gosh. that back into the soil. And that's what, you know, things like quorum sensing do. If you have the right soil, if your soil can talk to each other and isn't dead like mine, they'll actually put out root exudates and build the soil that way. So I think if you had some permaculture, you know, some regenerative, you know, techniques going there for quorum sensing and the electroculture, you'd probably have a hard time picking up that cucumber you're growing. And those zucchinis, they'd be large, Really large. I had a lady. I had a lady just send me a video, and her her zucchinis are bigger than my head. You know, oh. so it's pretty remarkable. And and I think that's like you just said, that's what she's doing. She's combining electroculture with you know regenerate regenerative agriculture, maybe some Steiner prep. You know, all these beautiful things you can be combining them with, and it's just crazy. They're just absolutely massive, and she just put them all in a row. And she actually started saying how she has to go down to, you know, down to the city and donate the food to the to the shelter nearby because she's like, I can't eat all of this. It's not possible. So, you know, that's the old story in New England that, you know, the old timers all sit around the firehouse. And one of the tourists one day said to someone, do you lock your cars around here? And he said, hey, yeah, but only July and August. And they said, why is that? Because of the tourists? He says, no, because if you don't, you come back and your car's full of zucchini. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. That's a good one. I that's like the, that. That's the zucchini joke. So um, tell me, tell us, I, I love the story about the woman in Florida with her cabbages. Do you remember yes. that? So with the electroculture, I had a lady who reached out to me. She's growing cabbage. She's been growing cabbage for, I think, 10 or 20 years. 
and this is usually how most of the stories are. A lot of them are, I've been doing this for a really long time and I'm kind of, you know, blown away with the electroculture, but she's been growing cabbages for, I think about 10 years. And she usually gets her cabbage later on in August because it's Florida. She got her cabbage this year in about April. I think it was April. That's when she messaged me. And her cabbages are usually about six pounds. That's what she said. She's like, they're always six pounds, six pounds, 6.5, 5.5, whatever else. This year she goes, it's 12 and a half pounds and it's only April. And I think I'm going to have even more cabbage coming August. So the size difference and what I've been documenting, and that's what I'm going to be putting in the book, the size difference of things is just astounding. For example, I had a friend message me who's planting squash and the leaves are just are, are like bigger, like the, the leaves are so big, they're bigger than my computer, you know, and it's just it's just remarkable. And she's like, I've never seen the leaves like this. So then you think, well, what will the squash t- turn out like? And I had another friend who was in Ireland, you know, her roots of her garlic are like two to three times in the thickness of the size. So she's going to harvest that garlic, I think, in the next uh, month or two. And then we'll kind of see how large the garlic is now. But a lot of people having a lot of, you know, doubling or tripling of the size. I had another friend who sent me a picture of radishes, and they had their non-electroculture radishes, which were kind of like tiny, like almost like grapes or whatever it may be. And then their larger electroculture radishes, which were almost larger or two times the size of a golf ball. So, you know, just these difference in sizes, and they're like, all I did was I put the copper antenna on this side. I didn't do anything on this side. I'm doing the exact same you know, thing that I've been doing for this time, but a lot of people seeing tremendous results. And this made me realize with all of these stories of how much abundance we can have. And, and then to make me think how large things used to be, like how big did things used to be when they grew and how large can they be? Because I think we have only seen like, you know, a portion when it comes to growing. And there was one guy, which if we take this story to a, a higher level, there's a guy in Germany, and he created. He wrote a book about how when you induce plants with electrostatic fields, and people can look into his book. I forget the name of it, but it's in German. And when they induce electrostatic fields into these plants, the plants, instead of it being like a corn stalk, where it's just one corn stalk and just like the corn on it, the corn stalks were coming out like six coming wow. out at the same time. So he was saying, he's like, I'm like reversing the gene editing and all the stuff that they're trying to do with just putting it in these seeds in the box, and then they would just take on that property as soon as they're planted. So the question really arises, how much can we have? And also, too, could it be grown everywhere? Because, you know, sometimes we hear, like you said, like the soil and things like that. Is that really as true as we've been told? Or could we have the same, like an abundance of food every single place, every single region? That's where I kind of think electroculture taps into yeah, I, I, I think it's true. I, I don't I think you have to have the right so, some better properties in your soil than I have right now. You have to have something beyond dirt. But um, if you have that, I, I think the sky's the limit on on what you can grow, especially since it it helps with frost resistance, helps with heat tolerance. Correct. Yes. So what you'll notice is your plants will be able to survive through the frost. I even had a lady who was harvesting blueberries in January and she was <laughs> in Washington. So she was kind of blown away because she's like, I'm still picking blueberries and it's it's the winter time. And then as for the heat resistance or hail, I've had a lot of people where they've had hailstorms and the plants with the electroculture were completely undamaged. And the plants without the electroculture were damaged by the hail. 
And then same with the heat. You know, it's over here. It's 110, 115. You know, and my plants still do really well. I mean, before I probably do it electroculture, they would probably shrivel up and cook, but they they're perfectly fine and still pumping and rocking. That's amazing. Hey, listen, I don't want to. We only have a couple minutes here, but tell me about dragon's blood. I've never heard of it. So, dragon's blood is a tree sap from the Draco tree. It's very very healing. It's high in antioxidants. So, if we look at the antioxidant value of dragon's blood, it's over three million. So it's very, very healing for the body. Blueberries are 10,000. So that's just the difference in the comparison of the antioxidants. So there's a tremendous difference. And if a person is suffering from anything with skin issues, maybe eczema or anything like a, a, a gut inflammation or imbalance or things like that, dragon's blood can work absolutely wonderful for that. And I've been sharing so many stories of people's success stories of having you know, very severe eczema on their hands or on their skin or whatever it may be. And they said, you know, in their story as well, I've tried it all. And within 30 days, dragon's blood pretty much fixed them up like this, you know. So there's so many of these beautiful superfoods, which are very healing and very powerful. And we just haven't really explored them. So I've really gone out to try to learn certain things that can start to heal a lot of pathways at the same time rather than our traditional things, which, you know, have only done so much over time. But dragon's blood is just one remarkable superfood that heals the body in so many ways. Awesome. Listen, Matt, where can people f- cultivate, elevate.com? What's your YouTube channel, BitChute, all that stuff? So you can find us at cultivateelevate.com, and we have our page with Electroculture on there too. So people can look at, you know, how to do it. There's videos, tutorials, questions, and all of those things. If they have anything, they can look at that. I designed that page so that it has a plethora of information. And then we have our products on there. And you can also find us on Instagram, Cultivate Elevate. And then we have our YouTube channel, which is also Cultivate Elevate, where I put up a lot of longer content like what we're doing today. And then you can find us on Telegram. We have a beautiful community of about 40,000 people where people show all their gardens, what they're doing, what they're growing, and everybody just kind of talking and inspiring one another. In, in growing abundance. So those would be the places, and that is a page called Cultivate Elevate on Telegram. Awesome. I'm going to run over and, and, and sign up right now on Telegram. Matt, thank you so much for your time today and all your experience with electroculture. Can't wait for your book. Get thank it done. Come on. Come on. Get it done. Thank you for having me on, and I plan to have it done very shortly. Okay, wonderful. Talk to you again soon, I hope. Take care.
Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilaji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilaji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.